Welcome to Layout, a podcast about design, technology, and everything else. I'm Kevin. And I'm Rafa. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about my adventures, learning 3D, switching to Blender, and learning tons of new things. How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing okay. Busy day, but good. Good day. And you? Nice. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very early <laughs> for me, uh, but it's good. Uh, I'm excited to get into the show. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about that we've had on the list for a while has been uh, something I put in there uh, just called like Adventures Learning 3D. <laughs> yeah. Because it's something that I've been doing kind of on and off as a sort of hobby for the last little while. Yeah. And it kind of made me realize a couple things. One I feel like I've really missed being really bad at something creative for a while. Like, I've just been, like, really seeking out these new areas of design that I just don't do professionally. What about it? Was the feeling of, like, knowing that you can improve so much? You know, like, there's hmm. the open runway of growth and <laughs> improvement. Or is it the... I don't know, like the actual excitement of maybe like learning something new. I don't know. What, what is it? Yeah. So for me, it's certainly not trying to do something and then it just doesn't work no. <laughs> uh, over and over again because uh, that's very frustrating always. I think for me, it comes back to a like bringing back a sense of like, holy shit, I can't believe I did this with a computer. <laughs> like a lot of, you know, more traditional sort of product design things. It's a, a thing that I know I for sure can do and therefore am not that impressed with myself when I can do the thing. <laughs> and so I love diving into things where I'm like, whoa, like this is cool. Like I didn't know that I could do that. And it's like a creative outlet where i feel like i can try new ideas and new things and kind of flex new muscles through i guess like some of these constraints where i just like you know it made me realize like i actually don't read about design very much anymore mm -hmm. like i used to all the time <laughs> um and but i just don't like i just i do work and i get very deep you know, into design. I talk about design all day long. Like, I'm still very much into it. But, like, when's the last time that I read, like, a Medium article about, the, like, a design topic? It would be a very long time ago. You and a lot of people. I don't see a lot of Medium. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. But, or I don't, like, follow YouTube yeah. things. I, like, you know, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? Like, Hey, welcome. You're listening to a design, mostly design podcast. Yeah. So there's, there's totally nothing wrong with that. But it's something that I've been doing for long enough that there's just less for me to learn here. But recently, I've just been subscribing to tons and tons of YouTube channels on like learning 3D and like diving into animation and motion and like uh, lighting and sculpting. And there's just like so much to learn. And I can see the progress of just me getting better and like mastering this new side of things. And it's making me think like, what are some ways that I can apply it into other places? So it's been very interesting. Okay. I want to have a question about that. It's a little bit off topic, but you were talking about, yeah, I haven't been reading as much. Huh. Maybe it's just because 
I'm more like senior in the field and maybe I don't crave that type of content, maybe as much as I used to. But why do I have a feeling that we're, we have less of that going on right now? Like maybe something that could have been years ago, it would have been a blog post on someone's blog. For example, an article that I posted on Mastodon a couple of days ago, this one blog post that where they were saying that never use black in design. And like that stuck with me and I, I still think about it, but I, I don't see that as much because that's probably today would be a tweet or something. Mm-hmm. A little bit more forgettable, if you will. <laughs> and also people don't have blogs. And people don't write as much. But maybe on YouTube it would be a thing. It's something that I haven't looked into, like learning UI or either way. I don't know, learning Figma or tools like that nowadays in YouTube. I, I bet there's a bunch of resources there, but I, I'm not aware of those. I don't know. Do you? Yeah, no, same. Do you think it's? I think you're right. Like there's part of this is indeed i think there's maybe less of a culture of writing and i think well you can blame social media for a lot of that but i also think that the nature of people's work may be different now where design used to be a lot smaller if you will like you know just a handful of of people uh, on a team for an entire company or people running their own agencies or people doing freelance and i feel like the move to everyone being in house maybe makes this a little bit difficult like i remember i used to share like client projects on dribble <laughs> as i was designing things you know um like i could never do that today and so it just feels maybe that it's like one it's a thing you have to wait very long <laughs> until you can share about what you're working on and so i think it takes a while And then two, because a lot of people are in-house, there's maybe less this need of, in a way, constantly marketing yourself. And so like sharing ongoing projects, because if you're an agency, well, that's how you're going to attract more clients. And so you kind of want to put yourself out there. But I do agree that it seems like, I don't know, the the culture in the design world has shifted a little bit away from writing. Maybe we should talk about the vibe shift. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) if you're curious about that, you should listen to our previous episode. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, this wasn't, meant to be a rant like against design i love yeah, sorry, I love, sorry, sorry. I love yeah. product design i think product design is great this is where i focus <laughs> most of my attention and most of my energy and is the thing that like still captivates me after all these years so do not get me wrong this is not me saying like hey i'm bored with design we still have a podcast to do kevin <laughs> yeah so. but more saying that it's actually fun to branch out and go into different areas like i to me this is still very much creative and really fits under the broader design umbrella but just like totally different tools different communities different types of things and uh, i mostly got into 3d through cinema 4d because that's something that i dabbled with a little bit in the past and same shout out to grayscale gorilla like 3d for designers for me that that is like the ultimate initial source for cinema 4d and it's just like been a much much friendlier kind of entry into 3d than i found other tools to be however recently like a couple of months ago i actually we had like a week in the office that was basically a shopify calls it hack days but it's basically like a hackathon for a couple of days where you can work on whatever you want and i won't talk about the actual project that i worked on which was pretty cool but can't share (laughs) to our previous point um but (laughs) as part of this you know, a lot of these hack days, actually, I don't know if you've like participated in some of them, but you know, outside of Shopify, obviously, but I often find that a lot of these hackathon style things, there's the 
what you make, but also how you present it mm-hmm. <laughs> and how you present it surprisingly matters a whole heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to do like a cool little like brand thing for a little project. And so I was like, hey, why don't I make something in 3D? Uh, except I was on my work computer and I do not have access to my Cinema 4D license on said work computer. And so I was like, damn it. And so I was like, okay, well, now's the moment to learn something new and try Blender, which is a tool that I've opened many, many times and then very promptly closed. (laughs) I just could never figure out how to use it. It's a bit intimidating, that UI, huh? Yeah, and I think, I mean, what makes Blender so difficult as a tool is that I think to a Mac user, it's completely foreign in how it uses keyboards, shortcuts. Most things, actually, I would say, require shortcuts. Like, there's not that much visible UI for a lot of things. And require pretty much an extended keyboard <laughs> i felt that like, use a lot of the like the numpad yeah and a lot of just the language is a little complex so the learning curve is is very steep but the cool part of this is i had already ramped up on a lot of different aspects of knowledge through cinema 4d so i knew already i knew a bit about modeling i knew a bit about like modifiers i knew a bit about you know a lot of different topics yeah texture maps and just yeah uh uv unwrapping right? like yeah. just like <laughs> so many of these things that you kind of like bang your head against and so the transition was much more like okay i know i want to do this what is the way to do this using this tool and for me the key was looking up like keyboard shortcuts for these things because like trying to find for like the menu or the UI element to do the thing it just seems like it's not the priority for Blender. Um, and so the keyboard shortcuts is really how you're meant to use it. And I've like after four days, I was like, I'm converted. <laughs> I actually really like Blender now. Huh. It's a, again, completely foreign like keyboard shortcuts just don't make any sense to a Mac user. But once you get used to them, they're surprisingly logical. And I found myself now using Blender shortcuts and other apps <laughs> where I just press like X to delete something. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> but uh, it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. And so I'm going to put in the show notes a couple of the explorations that I've done. I've tried some things that are more like i guess i would say less realistic just more kind of artistic i guess like minimal sure uh based on some tutorials and then i've done some more real realistic things i've been trying to explore really different styles of 3d and what i'm essentially doing is generally i will take a tutorial and they'll be doing something. So I took one that was, I think it was like a donut shop that they were making. Um, and I actually made a brunch restaurant that we have in Montreal <laughs> instead. So it's the same techniques, but outcome looks totally different. And I've based myself off of like references. I've also been to that place many times. There was one on like how to make a bottle. And I ended up making like an Aesop <laughs> bottle. This Aesop render is the most realistic out of all. Like I, I would have believed if I didn't know what this was, I would have believed this was a real picture. <laughs> nice, thanks. So, so good. Also, by the way, a little tangent. Did you know that Aesop got acquired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did get acquired. Uh, L'Oreal? Yeah, yeah. Good on them. 
Are you, do you hate it? Are you anti, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't matter to me really, but. I'm not anti anything, but usually getting the big, big monopoly corporations acquire everyone else, never really good. But I believe that they had already been acquired by someone else, isn't it? Oh, see, I don't know. They weren't, I don't think they were independent anymore. It's the second sale (laughs) of Aesop, I think, so. (laughs) Yeah, and then getting into some more uh, interior design stuff. I had done a lot of interior design in 3D because I just love interior design and was helping my parents uh, redesign their kitchen a while back. This and is so impressive. Th- this was actually inspired by, I think, some interior designer that I followed shared like a picture of something, like a bathroom that was similar to this one. Uh, and I tried to recreate it. So can I ask, let's take this bathroom or this, uh, we can put these look at. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, or the ice cream shop or whatever. How How much of these are like models, assets you got from the internet or like you hand modeled like what's what's the what's ratio would you say everything is hand modeled on here except the towels actually because i was a bit lazy <laughs> i was like i just wanted to like shove something in there and that would be a nightmare wow so even the trees and stuff the plants yeah so the trees and then you can tell it's actually not that good <laughs> um yeah so i've been trying to learn how to make trees which is again a whole other rabbit hole of tutorials you can get into which led me down the path of geometry nodes which is basically a sort of noodle based programming uh, thing for blender to basically try and generate like different things and so i'm using it to generate this plant there where all the branches are just splines basically in blender which you know basically just like these sort of curves uh and then it spawns off the leaves off of them the challenge which you're seeing here is leaves will intersect with one another like there's i haven't found a good way to prevent that from happening uh so it's more meant as a like general give you a general idea of oh yeah okay it's a tree but i don't think it's looking that realistic yeah but yeah i mostly modeled most of the things frankly interior stuff especially for like these like simple bathroom things is pretty easy like a lot of these shapes are very straightforward but yeah i'm like trying to do most on my own the ice cream shop you'll see like the pot is actually and the plant there is an asset that i took but okay i was gonna say that plant is- <laughs> yeah that is too much i don't know how you make something like this um but the rest uh i've just done myself because it's easy enough and fyi this is like someone in uh, my partner's family who's like working on an idea for a shop so i like gave them some (laughs) some 3d ideas for what it might look like so and then the last one has been i've been trying to this is like i've been working up to boss mode for 3d renders and i think what is the the ultimate most difficult thing to make is an iphone (laughs) oh (laughs) sorry I thought I thought you were like scrolling. I was gonna say a face. Oh but, yeah, well, okay. yeah, of course. Like there's other things, but yeah. I just I'm not that interested in making faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, my like most difficult one definitely has been an iPhone. <laughs> Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed because pretty again simple shapes. Well, kind of. But maybe we're just so familiar with it. Yeah, it's deceptively simple. It's. Something, like you said, that we're so familiar with it. But the challenge is it's not about the modeling, really. It's about the lighting. (laughs) And 
My understanding, like after playing with this a lot, is that a lot of the iPhone renders that you see are not just a single lighting pass. They're actually like multiple different lightings combined together, essentially in post, to light up all of the different parts of the iPhone and make it look perfect. So what you're saying is it's not like you have different light sources. You mean like different passes at lighting? Like I do this one light, yes. or I start from scratch, whole different light, yes, and then somehow combine those, the pre-processing thing? Yeah, imagine lights as like you, you're going to combine different... So HDR. Almost. Well, you could do HDRs, but really I think for something like this, you're going to do manual lights, like individual lights, because you want to control the reflections. Because don't forget, this is highly reflective on the side. So if you're going to have an HDR of someone's living room, you're going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you need to manually place the lights yourself. But yeah, so they'll create like this sort of environment for like, okay, like the shiny rails. So and then they're going to like have a like, I forget what the right terminology for that, but like key that off. So basically have create a mask around for just the edge. And so they're going to take these lights for the edge. Now they're going to do, okay, like now the camera ring is going to have a whole different set of lights to make those look really great. And then those are going to be masked to just the little part where you can see that little like metal ring <laughs> around the camera lenses and then like combine all of these things together. So if you're doing like me and you're trying to create like one environment that makes everything look good, it's, you know, it's pretty difficult to get things right. Well, you're nailing it. This looks really good. You know, I, I can see that the iPhone is like a work in progress kind of. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not. I mean, for what it's worth, there's things I don't like about every single one of the renders I've I've sent you. Like, I don't think any of them are perfect. Uh, That's just you being, you know too much, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's been really interesting. Like, I've learned so much about lighting. This episode is brought to you by UserBit. UserBit is a platform designed to cater to your entire UX research and design workflow. You can gather and analyze qualitative data, create evidence-backed insights, and deliver your research using specialized UX tools that are all on one collaborative platform. So at UserBit, you can say goodbye to the hassle of jumping between multiple apps to get the job done. UserBit's cloud-based platform allows you to collaborate with your team in real time. There's no limit to how many team members you can invite, so go ahead and democratize your research with no constraints. UserBit features a variety of time-saving automations to expedite laborious tasks with a research workflow, transcribe your user interviews in 20-plus different languages, or automatically tag keywords and phrases across your data from surveys, interviews, and more. UserBit takes care of the repetitive manual tasks so your team can focus on what they do best, creating delightful experiences for your customer. UserBit's customizable interactive discovery portal is a game-changer when it comes to sharing your work with stakeholders. With the ability to customize a portal to match your branding, and you can make it easy for stakeholders to consume insights without any learning curve. This means faster decision-making and more buy-in from key decision-makers. Along with a comprehensive research repository and analysis, UserBit offers a variety of specialized UX tools to help you deliver your research and insights the way you know how. Whether it's creating personas with evidence from your research, showcasing pain points in your user's journey map, or even conducting live card sort studies, UserBit's got it all. So to learn more, go to userbit.com, that's userbit, as in B-I-T, 
userbit.com to learn more and our huge thanks userbits for coming in and sponsoring layout so can i ask questions just for context because i've also started my 3d journey with cinema 4d and i've also switched or started learning blender around a year ago when i was playing with some interior design thing when when i got to know this new apartment uh, but then you know i as with all of my 3d adventures eventually i like move on and like stop <laughs> on it and then pretty much pretty much everything i've learned i would have to learn again like i i you know if i open blender now all the keyboard shortcuts are gone like so i would have to go through <laughs> that journey again it's been just way too long i'm not consistent but i never got to this level so i'm curious to know like how much time have you actually spent on this are we talking like mm. hours a day for months or are we talking like no just like i watched four tutorials and i got here like because modeling something like this say let's this ice cream shop at my skill level this is like a month worth of work like every day <laughs> hours in there modeling stuff oh no absolutely not absolutely <laughs> not but this is this is like a few hours here and there i would say a few hours a week <laughs> it's not like a okay multiple hours a- for how long when did you start i don't know um i mean i i've been done with this one for a while now so it's like i i don't know exactly but yeah i would say this is maybe like 10 hours i want to say but like really like spread out you know i sure i'm not very i'm not a very consistent person i don't have dedicated time for side projects so it's just like in between things so sometimes it's just going to be a 20-minute session and sometimes it's going to be a two-hour session. That's impressive. That's a lot cool. of it is like, I will look for something, I will like look up a tutorial. Like I've been, you know, watching lots of lots of tutorials. I've subscribed to lots of different channels um, and just been like watching. And some every now and then someone will have like a technique or a thing. And I'll be like, ooh, that looks really cool. I want to try that. And then it gives me an idea of something that I want to make. Cool. Inspiring. I'm sad that I don't really have the bandwidth and energy to dedicate to this because when i see these results like these results i'm like ah, oh, i want that like i want to be able to do that it's so cool i mean for what it's worth i think that's fine for me it's been sort of years when i've had this sort of on my hey i'd love to learn about this at some point and i just never got around to it and the reason why is it's because i didn't have any problem like i didn't have any reason or i didn't have any project where I was like, I need this for this specific outcome. And I find that personally, I really struggle with learning something just for the sake of learning it. I really need something specific right. to apply to it of like, I have this greater purpose. <laughs> and to achieve that greater purpose, I'm going to go through these incredible lengths to do to learn how to do this thing myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah. whenever I don't have that problem, I'm just like, eh. Like, not interested. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. We will see. One of the things I'm interested, slash curious about is, um, will any of this actually be useful to design for VR headsets? <laughs> Who knows? See, I would bet that, yes. You probably don't need it, right? Like, I'm sure we'll have, like, a SwiftUI type of basic 3D shapes or controls or whatever. But this, you know, Blender is partially backed by apple right they're like a big contributor because it's an open source project mm-hmm. you know it's 
pretty like adopted, well adopted in the industry, file formats and whatever. So this, I'm sure, yeah, you're well positioned having this skill. And just even if not like, okay, I can build assets for it. Just having, just thinking in 3D, I'm sure it's, it's, it's it'll be very valuable. Um, so these things you shared with me right now, and again, in the show notes, people can look at these. Why aren't you sharing these online? Like I should be. <laughs> yeah, you're a designer on the internet. Maybe not Dribble. I mean, I think it's okay if you don't use Dribble, but this would fit in Dribble. Share these. This is incredible. I'm so impressed and surprised. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> not because I didn't think you could do it, but like, where is this coming from? I didn't even know you were really like spending more time with it. It's incredible. You should, you should post these online, please. Thank you. I, sh- I should, and I'm pretty sure I will. I think a lot of them just end up in the typical side project pile for me, which is like, it doesn't feel fully finished. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, one day I'll just finish it. But this was really, for me, like the this episode was like, okay, like I should share these because I think they're good enough probably to be shared. There's still a couple things that like some of them, like I, for example, like the iPhone's not fully finished. And I was thinking it'd be neat to get it to a state where it's like good looking enough that I can use it, sell my website or something like that to showcase some, You're so close. some mobile work or whatever. So yeah, there's a couple things like that. But yeah, I definitely will share more of these over time. Like it, it's, you know, like if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? It's like if a designer <laughs> designs something but doesn't post it. Did you even design it? Like, you know, <laughs> the need to share. Yeah, I mean, that is a good way to think about it. <laughs> From my perspective, it's like totally did what it needed to do for me. Like just, I got I'm, the enjoyment out, out of a yeah. lot of these things, which is why I'm so bad at releasing side projects. But I but I agree that, you know, I should just be sharing them and uh, generally gets good reception. But but also to go back to that point of like, I hope this will be, maybe this will be useful in the VR world or whatever. But also, taking uh, as an example the Ivory uh, app that is going on, uh, TabBots, mm-hmm. Mark has been working a lot with 3D, and all those assets are being used on website marketing stuff. Uh, but even the app icon, that was interesting because like, he did a 3D render of the you know the mascot, the elephant. Yep. I think the elephant is called Ivory, whatever. But then he kind of like traced over it in Sketch in like 2D. So the icon itself is not the 3D render like asset. It's a 2D reimagination of whatever using that as a reference, the 3D model as a reference for lighting and stuff. So maybe you could do that to, in, in your next side projects. The, the marketing materials could be 3D, which you kind of did for until there's like a 3D thing in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I could probably model that elephant in 3D. I don't think I could recreate it in Sketch. I think for me, the the problem is the other way around, where I have a lot to learn. Yeah, look at us, where we where we ended up. Three <laughs> D is easy, but now two D in Sketch. Two D in Sketch seems very hard. I mean, I've seen some of the stuff that people have done with the even the one the one layer challenge. Yes, uh, that I saw Sketch do, and I was like blown away. Like, how that can was so do impressive. This? Because it was fun, because like we, so we did that challenge. It's a one layer challenge, and just so people don't know, it's like a social media thing. We had, we asked people for like one single layer, what can you achieve? You know, you can add as many gradients and many shadows and fills and whatever you can. But anyway, so internally we were also like playing around with this challenge, 
and I didn't even try. Like, this is not my thing. But we had, internally, we have amazing designers, and they did something like, I was blown away by what was possible. Like, holy shit. Like, I can see how you do this. Like, I understand technically what's, like, the ingredients. But, whoa. And then when we put it out, you know, publicly, and I saw people submit their things, it just blew everything away like incredible we're gonna put maybe some links in the show notes for what people have done but yeah that was that was incredible i'm like i could never do this with 200 layers <laughs> alone <laughs> just one so yeah this is this is really incredible and see there's always that's the beauty of design maybe that's where we can kind of end it uh is that there's always more to learn <laughs> Like there's uh-huh. always new aspects that you can dive into and it just keeps you fresh, keeps you kind of engaged. And maybe another extra little thing is I wanted to give a shout out to my friend Adam Whitcroft on Twitter. And I believe also Mastodon has been I think so. sharing yeah. his process for designing icons with 3D. And again, super inspiring stuff. Uh, I'm like trying to learn from all these people as much as, as possible. So it's cool to see other other designers kind of dabble in the 3D world. So yeah, it's fun. All right, let's uh, let's do recommendations and uh, call it a show. Okay, yeah. My recommendation this week is the Men's Tree Dasher 2 from Allbirds, Whoa. which is a pair of shoes that I got in New York City like a few months ago. And uh, I kind of wanted to get a shoe for sort of traveling, basically, like just lots of walking around. It's not really like I'm not really doing running or anything like that with it. Um, So I wanted to look somewhat casual, but optimize more on the side of being comfortable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, compared to maybe other shoes that I would wear. And I ended up trying these in store, and uh, I've been finding them, like, really, really super comfortable. So I've been really enjoying them. I have them in the all-black version, of course, because I'm me. (laughs) And I think they look good, and they're really comfortable. I've really enjoyed sort of uh, wearing them on trips and stuff like that. What I would say is, in my opinion, they run a little small. So if you're hesitating between two sizes, you should uh, go into the larger size. Uh, but they're they're really great. Cool. I never tried all birds, but my, my partner has and she likes them. Nice. Yeah, they have a lot of different models now. <laughs> so it's a little hard at, at times to like, figure out which one you want. That's why being in the store was like helpful because I could try a lot of different pairs. But their website is pretty good too. All right, my, my recommendation is quite of a late recommendation. I just realized that I've this new app update had come out during our break, so I just fell into cracks. But I, you know, uh, it's Sleeve 2. Uh, we've recommended Sleeve in the past, but this is a new update. It came out around the time Hand Mirror came out, and it was fun to see the progress because we, we were both doing a lot of like custom settings, custom controls, macOS and SwiftUI and all that. And we, you know, we're friends so we've been chatting and sharing some experiences whatever back and forth it was fun to see this release around the same time and i think they've been having success and i'm so happy for them this is the sleeve too sleeve is an app for the mac you know where it puts a little like album artwork in your desktop in your screen when you're listening to music it's like a little companion music app and the big update is that you can now customize the look of that little widget very thoroughly you can control a lot of things and you can also now have like little controls just basic like play pause next previous uh like so yeah they have this on all the time uh there's some it's a really nifty little like 
Mac app that just stays on for me. <laughs> and yeah, and I was reminded of recommending this because uh, this weekend I finally met Alasdair Monk, one of the, the two uh, people involved in this. It's, it's the, uh, him and Hector Simpson. And it was fun. We finally met in person. And we also just, again, shared some stories and, you know, it was like indie devs. And this is a beautiful, one of, one of the most, I think, pretty, one of the prettiest Mac apps out there in terms of like those custom controls are really, really well done. And the, the website is also really, really, really nice. The website is incredible. I've never used the app, but their website is like really like something you have to see. Just so inspiring and cool. So this is really like expert mode web design for sure, in my opinion. So nice work. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so it works with Apple Music or Spotify or Doppler, which I never heard of, but apparently it's like a streaming thing. I don't know. Anyway, uh, go check it out. Links in the show notes. And yeah, that's it. I think this is it for the show. Talk to you in two weeks. In the meantime, you can find everything we mentioned, all the you know links for everything we mentioned on our website. That's layout.fm. You can stay in touch by following us both personally and also the show. You can follow us on Mastodon. We are at layout, at Rafa, and at Kevin on mastodon.design. And um, the show was edited by Laura Kunz. And our music is from Guillermo Silva. And our thanks to our sponsor this week, Userbit. Go to userbit.com to learn more. And if you want to sponsor the show, uh, visit us uh, on layout.fm slash sponsor. We have a bunch of information there if you want to reach out. And uh, yeah, Kevin, that's it. We did it. All right. Another one. (laughs) Another one. Another one for the books. Is that a thing you say? (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.